Welcome to the JR Show podcast. I am JR. Very special treat for you. Uh, last one of the year. Former lead singer of one of my favorite bands, 10th Avenue North, my guest, Mike Donahue. Please, uh, ladies and gentlemen, put your little paws together for today's guest. Um, one of the artists on our playlist that's one of our deepest, most theologically sound. Well. Uh, one one of, uh, makes me look like an idiot guest today, Mike Donahue. Thank you. How are you? you? Yes. <laughs> Theologically sound, that just depends on who you're talking about. Oh, that's to. true. You could be way off. Yeah, it depends on yeah. your That's how cults start. Where's your plan? <laughs> I am theologically my, sound. Follow my buddy me. David Koresh is brilliantly theologically brilliant, brilliant. sound. Yeah. Um, the We've got fun. 10th Avenue North has been one of my favorite bands since I got into this format. Um, and so, you know, it's pandemic hit. It's annoying when you want to have a nice farewell tour and say goodbye to your fans, and then a pandemic hits and kind of doesn't give the people the proper closure to be able to say goodbye. There's so much problematic. <laughs> the whole thing was problematic. It was problematic that we decided it was a farewell tour a week before it started. Right. So that threw everyone off. And then the pandemic happened a week later. So then most people thought we broke up because of the pandemic. Yeah. We go, no, we were. it was pre pre-pandemic <laughs> yeah this was and then you have the added difficulty of people trying to understand that we all like each other still yeah and that we uh amicably because because people just think trouble being in a band now this is what i realized most people think being in a band is the best job anyone could ever have so when you tell them no the guys didn't want to do the band anymore it's you people's brains i watched their brows for yeah. and they can't conceive that that could possibly be true. Yeah. I go, they just did it for 20 years. They're just ready to try something else. Right. It's in their mind. It's they're not making enough money as the non-lead singer or Mike is arrogant. And like all these thoughts go into your head. Yeah. Who would have thought they would just move yeah, on? That was that was great. Yeah. Let's do something else. Right. <laughs> like our bass player is real estate agent. He's right. Like, I really love it. Yeah. And it's really fun. Do you remember the name Bebo Norman? Oh, I know Bebo very well. One of the he when I lived in Nashville, he became one of my best friends. Um, loved his heart, like he and I just bonded. And in my opinion, one of the greatest male vocalists in the history of the format. And he he struggled. We talked about this on the air a lot. He struggled with on stage anxiety, and mm. you know what are the people thinking about? And he just couldn't overcome it. And then I was like, man, that's too bad. He's so talented. And then somebody's like, oh, he's doing fine. He's flipping houses and making gazillions of dollars. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, now or, he's a doctor. Oh, you know more than I. He's in doctor school right now. Huh. He's going to PA. That's crazy. Ebo Norman, man. What a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, let's, before I want to ask you, I want to dive more into this. You know, being the lead vocalist is, is a different animal because you carry something with you that's, not everybody in the band per se has what you have to be able to continue doing. Like the bassist can go, who wants to go listen to my bass album, man? It's really good. You know, we're going to talk about that in just a bit, but I want to, you have a new project that is out this week. Um, what's the name of the album? Did I not? Uh, it's called it Flourish. F F 
like fleur. Fleurish. 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 It comes out this week. Let's play the first song off of it called All Together. Can you walk me up this song? Yeah, I was writing with my friend Micah, and it started with this one sentence. I said to Micah, I said, you know what I don't understand? I don't understand why if you go to church, typically, you can have past struggle testimony time. But you don't let anyone get up and talk about a current struggle testimony time. If they have a current struggle, they need to go to a special group for that. And so I said, wouldn't it be great if church was more like AA? Oh, yeah. Or like Celebrate Recovery? Just It was more just people admitting how messed up they are? Because isn't that kind of what you're saying by showing up at church? I'm so bad and so beyond being able to save myself. I need intervention. I need a savior. So it always boggles my mind that people aren't more willing to share what they're currently struggling with. And so we wrote this song all together. Um, Best way to describe to people, if you're on Spotify or something like that, Donna, D-O-N-A, and then H-E-Y. No, D- no. Oh, so great. think of the word. <laughs> you misspelled Just type it. in Mike. You misspelled You'll be it. Fine. <laughs> it's the word done, like I'm done, D-O-N-E, okay. and then hey, H-E-Y. Okay. But it's not pronounced hey, it's pronounced he, so right. it's confusing. But think done, hey, yeah. I'm done, hey. Yeah. That's it. EP or al- how many songs? Are we Ten album, ten songs. Okay. Beautiful. Coming at you. Right now I want to ask you about the concept that we already talked about. You know, a lot of people thinking, oh, you, your band was together for 20 years. You guys met at a college or a church in, in West Palm. Just all of a sudden you're on tours and making songs like By Your Side was one of the most purchased faith-based songs in faith-based music history. So it wasn't this tiny little run. You guys did some amazing things together and now it's a new season. But it's an interesting dynamic when you think for for Crowder, you know, for David, you know, first of all, he's dragging 10 people out on the road. It's earth, wind, and fire, you know? And then he's like, I'm going to move to another state. You know, I was like, I'm going to get away from you. Then I'm going to change my name. Then I'm going to make a bunch of hit records, and you're not going to be a part of any of it. That's the way it looks like from the outside. Right, right, right. Um, you know, John Fogarty of Creedence, you know, uh, Scott Stapp doing his solo stuff, Creed. You know? So for you, what is the I love those are the examples you gave. There's was so quick... many other examples I would give. Paul Simon. You went with John Fogarty. That's amazing. I grew up on that album because my dad, one day, a baseball nut growing up, my dad brought home this cassette tape with a baseball glove on it. I'd never heard of Creedence. I was five years old. Yeah. And he's brought it home because it was, um, put me in, coach. Yes. And it's like, my son's going to love this. And I'm like, this John Fogarty guy is great. No clue about, have you ever seen the ra- any of that? Yeah, baseball, baby. Yeah. And so that was, John Fogarty was bigger than Credence in my mind. Then I learned later, you know. Um, what is the toughest part of going and doing the solo thing that people might not think about? And maybe what what is um, maybe just a fun part for you now of... Yeah, I think the biggest part is the tension of... Um, not using a name that people have now become familiar with. I mean, obviously, a lot of business guys advised me to keep calling myself 10th Avenue North. And the guys in the band even said, hey, you can keep calling it 10th Avenue North. Just hire some new guys and we're cool with it. Yeah. And for me, I always said I wasn't going to be the guy that did that because to me it felt like, no, you guys, we are the band. We are the band. I'm not the band. We are the band. And yeah. if you guys are all quitting, 
then it is actually dishonoring for me to keep calling it 10th Avenue North. Mm. And so I think the hardest part is going, I mean, even at the end of our career of 10th Avenue North, I'm still having people come to the concerts and go, man, I had no idea I knew all those songs that you guys wrote. So (laughs) I I realize what a long time it takes for people to associate the name of an artist with the music. So now you have to put that aside and, and now well now it's even more confusing because yeah. i'll still probably play 10th avenue north songs because i still love them i wrote them yeah. i i still believe in them so <laughs> then they're going wait is this 10th avenue north or who is it you know it's just gonna, is this a cover band yeah it's just gonna be confusing <laughs> um that's where the money's at a 10th avenue north cover band it's just called 10th ave confusion <laughs> right. that's what we call it. called 11th avenue yes. north. oh boy um i'll delete that no <laughs> You know how many times we would get introduced when we were first starting and yeah. these poor youth pastors would have us in. They have no idea who we are and they'd go, all right. And they'd get the youth group kids all rallied up. All right, we got a band here in Florida. And then you could just see the the, the deer in the headlights look where they've forgotten the yeah. name. And they're like, ah, Sixth Street, <laughs> Southeast. Here we go. <laughs> MLK. We're the O'Neaters. Um that's so good. that that's that's obviously the hardest part. Yeah. The 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 best part. Can I can I pause you right there before you go into the best part? You know who struggled with? I didn't interview him, but I heard him say this about the part you just said. Do you remember the song? I can't stand to fly. I'm not that not. It, I'm only a man. I'm only a bird. Five for fighting. Oh, it was a yeah, song called yeah. Superman. It was one of the biggest songs yes. of the early two thousands. He was one dude, but I heard him say in an interview one time. He's like. People wouldn't know my name. Uh, he's like, so he just, same deal. He sought some advice and people were like, go with five for, like a hockey, he was from Canada, go with a hockey term, five minute, five for fighting. And then you see the guy and it's just, it's like a Matt Carney sitting there. Yeah. I am five for fighting. But that was his theory was people will remember that name. So I can see how that right. could be a struggle to just go, all right, here we go. Let's just do it. Yeah. I Best mean, part. You were prepared yeah. for the interview and you still misspelled my name. So. <laughs> This I, is not going to go I well. I did all the hard work and then the simple stuff. <laughs> but a good, a good part, fun part of being by yourself now. Yeah, on it, easy. The funnest part is writing the songs and then not having to check if four other people like it. Yeah. I just go, do I like this? Oh, I do? Okay, we're going with it. Yeah. Because a lot of times when you're writing songs, guys disagree with the guitar part simply because they weren't the one who wrote it. Yeah. You know? So I would, a lot of times with the band, I'd co-write a song with like a producer, right? And then yeah. I'd bring it to the band like, well, this is okay, but we have to change everything. Yeah. And I'm, but it was great the way it was. Right. So the, um, the freedom of being in the studio and going, yes, I like that. Yeah. Let's roll with it. Not having to worry about somebody's feelings or anything potentially. Uh, yeah, not having to worry about people's yeah. feelings. It's I, so nice. The, the weak. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a horrible sentence. <laughs> because humans are just horrible people. They're the worst. Uh, at the week Crowder parted from David Crowder band, I said on a phoner, I said, "What is the what is the best um, what is the best part of being with Crowder band?" He's like, "Man, we got so many memories touring the world together for ten years, just being with the guys." Uh, on the road is one of the best experiences of my life. And I, I was like, well, what is the tough, toughest, or the, what's the best part now of being just crowded? He's like, not having to be around the guys. <laughs> yeah. It is, man. It's so great. It's hit or miss. Um, I know you've also done some authoring, uh, writing, mm-hmm. uh, book wise. We'll mention the, 
I want to mention your latest in just a second, but for you, as you've kind of dabbled now in songwriting, you know, and then now writing literature, um, things that you're dealing with, things that you think could help people, you put it to book form. Long format. Yeah. Which one is more rewarding for you, teaching or giving your thoughts in literature or writing a song that speaks to somebody? Well, to quote Leo Tolstoy, he said, music is the shorthand of emotion. So music has a bit more um, concentration. It's like a cold brew concentrate of coffee yeah. where you get a lot more punch for the minutes. Right? <laughs> Someone reads for three minutes in a book, they usually don't have the emotional visceral reaction that they could have listening to a three-minute song. Right. Uh, and that's because the, the music charges emo- it. It it bypasses a lot of the defenses that we have right. and you start feeling things very immediately. So, you know, they're very different things. I do think some of the things that have changed me most significantly have been things I've written or I've read in literature. Mm. So it kind of excites me that I could have the visceral shorthand emotional yeah. impact with a song, but then could also maybe have the expounding impact of a deep thought that people can right. ruminate on. What's the one you've got coming out next year? So uh, it, the, the title for now, I'm pretty sure it's going to be called grace in the gray. And it's about the art of elegant disagreement. Right. So being, I feel like I'm a little bit more uniquely situated than most being in a CCM band because there's over 30,000 denominations of Christianity just in America. Hmm. So we get the unique privilege of I've played in thousands of different denominations. Well, guess what? Why do you create a new denomination? It's because somewhere along the way you disagreed about something. Right. So much so that you thought, I can't worship with these people. Right. Wow. Uh, we need to worship with other people who think like us. Yeah. So I find a lot of beauty, well, maybe the most beauty, when Jesus says, how will you know that you're my disciples? It's like, by the way, you love each other. I feel like this, the subtext there is when you guys are with each other and love each other, people who don't think like you or look like you, who don't hold all the same positions on things, the world will look at that and go, that is miraculous. Yeah. And so it's kind of the miraculous gift I feel the Spirit has given his children is to be able to be in community with people they sharply disagree with mm. so uh i i explore some hot button topics yeah and some different sort of modes that i've adopted of how to disagree well with people right which is something we all need help with nowadays <laughs> yeah you know, I, I i feel like it's a moot it, it probably has no relevance in the culture everyone seems to be getting along so yeah. well they're able to voice their political opinions with such yeah. you know eloquence and 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 fairness Kindness. Thanks the Lord they don't have a platform to share though. Yeah, but. yeah. I f- there's just such beautiful discourse happening on social media these days. I f- yeah. I don't know why I'm writing the book, but <laughs> I'm good. sure it'll help someone yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Out if there. not, it's for me. Yes, don't worry. Exactly. Um, I've been having a lot of every kind of season of doing these interviews. Spring, fall, we have a lot of them in a row. I tend to have about three or four that I'll use with everybody because it's such a. It actually came from you know when I'm not interviewing artists the listeners are the star of the show where I throw out a concept and there are some that go 
crash. Like one person calls. I'm like, man, I thought that was going to be massive. And then there's other stupid ones where I'm like, I could have taken phone calls from the start of the show to the end. Uh, voicemails, phone calls, texts. This was one that it was nonstop was what was the unique perk of your parents' job? And I'll give you mine by saying my father for 40 years was the price changer. Like he didn't change the prices. Somebody told him, hey, here's a list of every price that's going to change in this grocery store. And he had to go with his little cart and replace the sticker, move on to the next item, whatever was changing, like not glamorous. But as a kid, when the store would shut, I got to go to work with him and run the aisles by myself in an empty grocery store. I didn't even think about taking candy. (laughs) Maybe I was such a good Christian boy that didn't even cross my mind. But it was just being alone in a grocery store, sprinting down the aisles. Oh, that's good. Unique perk, but maybe what for you? My dad, when I was a kid, was the national director of communications for a pro-life agency called National Right to Life in D.C. Oh, wow. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, Wow. The unique privilege was just through that, we got to meet a lot of people. Like, yeah. got to meet Joe Gibbs, who was the coach of the Washington football team at the time. The Red oh, Sports. I was about to have to edit you. Um, <laughs> and uh, we got to, I got to meet, you know, musicians, got to meet the president, got to shake George Bush's hand at the yeah. time. And um, got to, we were always up in DC getting to see all the monuments. But probably the biggest one is I just love the Air and Space Museum. And when we'd go see my dad in D.C., we'd go to the Air and Space Museum. And I just loved the jets and the planes. And the same thing. I'd run around like a maniac. So, yeah. That's great. It's so funny being the children of a radio dad that people would pay money to go meet for king and country. And, oh, my God, and cry or something. I'm like, hey, I'm interviewing Joel and Luke today. Do you guys want to come with me and just sit next to me while I chat with them? No, we're good. That sounds really boring, Dad. We just uh, four times is enough. I told you I wasn't going to mention soccer, but I have to because yeah, this applies. Please, no, please, the Tampa Bay Rowdies are down the street from me, and I try to take all my kids to the games. It's like a league below the MLS, America's main yes. league. It's a league below. But Joe Cole, who is a Chelsea legend, scored 30 goals in the Premier League. He wanted to raise his family in the final couple years of his career in Florida instead of cold England. So he comes and he's a rock star signing for Tampa Bay Rowdies. As a Premier League fan, I'm like, this is Joe Cole. I want to go meet him. And my kids are like, yeah, let's go meet him. But he goes and signs every after every match. The legend is there going, taking selfies with people. And they got, it's just so weird that the kids would say, ah, I already have three pictures with Joe Cole. I don't need any more anymore they got bored meeting legends and uh and it's just it's just bizarre that's the thing i would say that they will say if somebody asked them Do this you know question. my thoughts on fame are yeah would you like to hear this oh please i think we're all obsessed with fame whether we want to be or not it's in us because i i remember there's been famous people i've been around that yeah. i didn't care to meet at all but then they come in the room unexpectedly whatever and there's this electricity yeah. that comes into your veins that you can't even control. But then it wears off, right? You meet yeah. them several times and you don't get that same oh, yeah. shock. And I think one of the reasons we obsess, we fan boy, girl over celebrities and the reason someone walks in and also the reason it fades off so quickly is because we are made to participate, to experience the glory of God. 
Yeah. And fame is a sort of cheap substitute. Right. That sort of mimics it in a way of you're around someone bigger than yourself. You're a part of something bigger than your own story for just a moment. And then the second it stops feeling like that, it quickly fades away. I'm back to me. Because we're just replacing what we were meant for, which is that, that participation in God's story. What do you think about the fact that the autograph was such a huge thing and now the selfie has made the autograph look like why would I want a guy to scribble on something? That yeah. could be anybody. Yeah, I always I always was confused at the autograph anyway. Yeah. Um, selfie makes more sense. Yeah. But I'm always going, I would rather have coffee with them. Yeah. Like, and if I take a selfie with them, I think that probably cancels out the opportunity that I'll ever have. Yeah. You know? Because you've crossed into fandom from fandom. Yes. yes. So those of you out way. there, play it cool, man. If you're trying Invite to- Invite me to coffee- don't take a picture with me. That's right. <laughs> I don't know if I have time for everybody because that's a lot of coffee lot trips. Of but I wrote a I wrote a letter to the Chicago Bulls Stadium when I was a five year old boy and I had a Michael Jordan. This is when he was at his peak. Yeah. And you could look in a catalog where the stadium's addresses are and you could mail with a return address already stamped, as if Michael Jordan couldn't afford his own stamps, but and I mailed it. I did this to two people, Michael J. Fox when he was on Family Ties and Michael Jordan. Incredible. And I got a reply on both. Michael J. Fox was an autographed picture of him in a jean jacket and Bon Jovi hair. <laughs> and the Michael Jordan card came back in the mail signed. And But I have no way to... It could have been an intern going... It looks maybe kind of like his signature today. I Googled it <laughs> actually the other day when I found it. Like I wonder if this is worth anything. But the, the fact that I have no relationship with my, I've never right. spoken to him, it's a scribble on a piece of paper right. that has no emotional connection. Right, right, right. So I'm gladly willing to trade it in for cash if I could. <laughs> I could get a lot more emotional about some cash in my pocket <laughs> right. right now. Exactly. Let's wrap up right here. Um, that was me, by the way. I wrote the signature. Oh. <laughs> I worked for Chicago the back. Yeah, at the Sears, whatever it's called. At the Sears Center, was that? The United Center. United. Oh, wow. Okay. That Bon Jovi one was, I went nuts. I couldn't believe it came back because he was at his peak right then at the time. Um, let's go with the, I want to end just, we've talked about some good deep stuff, but I want to end on for you, the movie as a child that scared you to pieces that wasn't meant to be a kid film. So I'll throw out one for me okay. was Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, there was a scene, Large March. Large March what, are you, what are you doing to kids? Her f- and there was no PG-13 back then. So you either had to category something PG or R. Well, the Pee Wee's not R. Yes. But that face of that truck driver stayed with me for years. Um, and so I threw this out to the audience of, about six months ago. And people threw in some great ones from Never Ending Story. Terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Maybe one for you that sticks out a scene that you just like that was my one. I couldn't. Absolutely horrific. Yeah. Um, no, I, it was Dark Crystal. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jim Henson movie. So we were big Muppet people. Jim Henson, new movie. Yeah. Freaky as oh, yeah. anything. What about Goonies and Sloth? How did you handle him being chained? See, in I the- loved Sloth. Oh, really? I mean, he, he makes such a turn by the end. That yeah. he, you know, it's a rescue oh, story. Sloth is so sweet. <laughs> He's so misunderstood. <laughs> yes. Hurt people hurt people. I would be mad chained to the wall being yeah, fed. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I just want Rocky <laughs> Road. 
you could turn Goonie, you could spin that around to say this is a this is a rest this is a rescue story of and it's friendship and it's family. It's basically a story of Jesus. Yeah. It's the gospel. <laughs> it's a faith based film. I'm sure you could make some kind The of remake is gonna be Jim Caviezel, the Goonies <laughs> remake. <laughs> is he available? I mean Sean Astin's in it. Yeah, gosh. He's Samwise Gamgee. Yeah. Pretty strong. That was my back to but celebrities. But Josh Brolin was Thanos yeah. trying to destroy the world. You know, so they're all big. Yeah. There's a lot of serious actors. We've talked a, a good bit about the deepness of celebrity in this interview. And I'll tell you this. You mentioned Sean Astin. Goonies was the movie of my childhood until Rudy came out. And mm-hmm. Rudy became the movie of my 12, 13, 14 and Sean Astin is in both. And so our my mutual friend Shimmy now works at a record label where his wife got access to Sean Astin. He's like, hey, you're my boy. I'm going to give you him first. He's like, he's, he's, I think he's Catholic or something. He's like, he doesn't want to do any really deep religious. It was in a faith-based movie, a, a football movie. And he's like, I'm going to get you Sean Astin. And that was probably the most starstruck I've ever been in my entire life because he was tied to two roles that impacted right, that me. Makes sense. That makes sense. And I didn't even mention Lord of the Rings. That wasn't even an emotional film for me. But I was on the phone very shaky. Like, I don't even care if this audio is any good. If he says anything good, if I, I can now tell my high school friends that I spoke to Rudy and, and, and Mikey. Mikey. And Incredible. it was one of those... I did throw in a little joke at the beginning of the, the rep, the manager was like, okay, I'm going to go get him. Just no religious talk. I'm like, my first question, I was going to ask him about speaking in tongues first. And then I'll, <laughs> he's like, are you serious? I was like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but hey, we are looking forward to diving into new music. Um, the, uh, the new album from Mike Donahue is called Flourish. All together is on there. And uh, we're looking forward to diving more into it. And please let me know when the book comes out next year. Always appreciate your heart and your insight. Appreciate the time. There you go. Big thank you to Mike Donahue for being my guest today. He's got the book coming, album out, and uh, he's just a brilliant guy. Like I always tell people, he's, he looks like he's an eight. He sounds like he's this 80-year-old theologian, theologian that's been through Bible training and all these deep thoughts. And then you look at him, he's like a dude that could be a pro surfer. It just It's like, what? But good stuff. Want to encourage you to hit subscribe and you'll always be alerted. We've got new stuff out on the JR Show podcast. Uh, Also, we'd love the five-star review. You can follow us on Instagram and don't forget to hit subscribe. That's the last one, last new chat of the year. We want to say thank you so much for listening and sharing and rating and following along with the JR Show podcast this year. And we've got some incredible stuff coming right after we turn to 2022. So thank you so much for listening. Peace.